Thanks very much, Zoe and Liz. Uh, years 8 to 10, you guys can uh, feel free to go now. In Gwinnett County, uh, Atlanta, some years ago, a homeowner one morning heard cries in the distance from her house. And as she looked around her house, she realized they were coming from the living room. And as she got closer, she realized they were coming from the chimney. And as she looked up, she discovered there was a 17-year-old bloke stuck in her chimney, and he'd been stuck for 10 hours. Now, obviously, he was up to no good. Like, how many times do you find yourself falling down a chimney? But it turns out she talked to him for a while while she waited for the emergency services to come. And, of course, the fire brigade and, and the police, they came, they rescued him and promptly arrested him. But what would you talk about to a bloke that was stuck up your chimney for 10 hours? I was thinking, um, perhaps you would quote them the verse from John 10. Verily, verily, I say unto you that he that entereth not by the door, but climbeth in some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. How true those words were that fateful morning for that 17-year-old. John 10 is the passage that we're looking at today uh, in the subject of I am the door. And we'll come back to that in a moment or two. This is the third of the I am's that we've been looking at in our series uh, of Jesus. Once when Jesus' disciples were out on the boat, uh, there was a storm brewing up and they were getting a little bit fearful. In the distance, they saw Jesus coming towards them. They didn't realize who it was originally. And as he approached the boat, Jesus said something very interested, interesting to them. He said, it is I. Don't be afraid. It's I. Don't be afraid. And then we're told that the disciples were willing to take him into the boat. And then the boat reached the, sto the shore. And it struck me that when we're considering these I am statements of Jesus, let's not lose sight of who the I is, if you forgive the grammar. Uh, when we're considering this, let's not lose sight of what Jesus says to us in the storm that we might find ourselves in. Don't be afraid. And it's not someone else saying it to you. It is the Son of God saying to you, it is I. What does it look like for me and for you in the middle of a storm, which might be a storm that you're facing right now, to invite Jesus into the boat? And today we're looking at this, this expression, what Jesus said, I am, in this case, the door or the gate. So, this is what Jesus said. Some translations have the gate and some have the door. The meaning is the same. What is the purpose of a door? So let me ask you, when you think of a door, there's a picture of a door. What, what do you think of? What's, what, what, why would you need a door? What's the purpose of a door? Anybody? You're not expecting me to ask you questions here, no? Sorry? To enter. Like an entranceway. So a, a door is an entranceway somewhere whereby you get in. Yep. Anything else? Shut things out? Is that what you said? Yeah, yeah. So shutting out undesirables. So you remember, Jillian's door is for shutting you out. <laughs> Dawn's is for inviting you in. 
Uh, no, but that's true. There's security, isn't there, in, in a door? Uh, you close the door to, to, to keep what you don't, what you fear outside, let's say. Um, well, there's, there's that. Any other, any other purposes for a door? You don't have to think spiritually. Hmm? It's the way out as well. So you, there's a way in and there's, a, there's an invitation out if you're, if you're, if you're, if you're going out of somewhere. Um, I asked an architect, no prizes for guessing who that might be. Uh, I said, well, what, you tell me what is the function of a door. Interestingly, it took him about three days to work out what the purpose of a door was. Uh, but he came back to me. And here are some of the things he said. An entrance door to a building is very important. It should be easily discernible and identifiable. So we, we have doors on our house that should be, you need to know where it is that you come in. Um, what just happened there? Well, the door, the door was slightly opened. Um, a door is also uh, an essential and primary purpose to provide security, which is what Gillian was uh, getting at, uh, by controlling access. So there's, there's the sense of uh, uh, an entrance and an exit, but also security. But also it's the place where two worlds communicate, the inside and the outside. It's where they meet. It's the interface where they meet. And when one is designing such a, a house, you think of such things. Uh, maybe you didn't realize that. But Jesus declares himself as the door, or as I say, sometimes the gate. I want to examine what that kind of means as, as we look at this uh, statement this morning. The background to Jesus saying this was that he was going through a village, uh, but prior to this, tensions were rising between Jesus and the religious authorities. The relationship was, let's say, growing apart uh, and they were getting more and more worried about the popularity that Jesus had because he was kind of a rebel. He was kind of a, a, a person who, who taught against the system, against the establishment. Um, and, he, and he cut through all the hypocrisy. And the, 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 the religious authorities were getting worried as they saw more and more of their, let's say, influence eroding away to this person. And some people were starting to wonder, is he the one that has been promised? And so they decreed that anyone who acknowledged Jesus or hinted that Jesus might be this promised savior, this promised Messiah, uh, would be excommunicated. They'd be thrown out. Now, that's not like being thrown out of a church and then just going down the road to another church. That was literally the kind of community with which you were in, that religious community. And then Jesus came to this village and came across a blind man, a man that had been blind from birth. Sometimes you just pass that on, yeah, 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 okay, and move on to the next bit. But actually, when you think about this, uh, this was a guy who was known to have been blind from birth, and it said that Jesus healed him. He was able to see. Now, if you think about someone familiar in this, in this church, let's have, sorry, Merv, I'm just going to pick on you. Say it was Merv. And imagine you've known Merv all your life, and he's been blind from birth. And you always think, he's the guy, yeah, he's the blind guy. Do you know, do you know I was talking to Merv the other day, who? Oh, the guy that was, you know, the blind guy. Oh, yes, yes. He was identified, he was known as being blind. And then all of a sudden you hear, did you hear what happened? Merv can see. Imagine the shockwaves that would have around the local community. And that's what was happening here I want to meet Merv. I want to see Merv. I want to hear from Merv. And the religious authorities inside and outside this community, they wanted to hear. They were a bit skeptical, perhaps, and they wanted to know, you know, is this like a, a fake? Is this, a, what is it? And so they called him 
And they, 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 they asked him, they interviewed him, and they had this sort of uh, mindset and view. They wanted, to, they wanted to discredit whatever had happened. And they got very annoyed at the guy because he refused to buy into that narrative. And ultimately, they threw him out of the community because he refused to go along with their interpretation of events. So they had thrown him out, and Jesus heard about this. This guy had been excommunicated, and Jesus went to find the man, we're told, and he told him who he was, and we're told the blind man in John 9, he worshipped Jesus. These self-appointed shepherds had thrown out of their flock this sheep. This member of the flock had been chucked out. And what the religious authorities had thrown out, Jesus now accepted. And that's where we pick up the story in John chapter 10. There's a picture used here of a shepherd, of sheep, of a sheepfold, and we'll come back to that, uh, and possibly a sheepfold that was in view. And this was something that was very familiar to those that were in hearing. Now, you can pick up the story from the beginning in verse 1, but we're going to pick it up from verse 7 to 10. We're going to hone in on what Jesus is talking about. And he creates a picture of a sheep pen, of a local sheep pen, which I'm not going to get into now. That will be something that you might get into in a few weeks' time when we look at the message of Jesus being the good shepherd. But now Jesus hones in because they didn't understand what he was implying, didn't understand what he was talking about, but he was pointing the finger a lot at the religious authorities. And then he came along and he starts talking about himself. Chapter 10, verse 7. Therefore Jesus said again, and this is to all those who were listening, including the religious authorities. Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep, or I am the door. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers. And that was directed, if you like, at the religious authorities and others that had come before who were claiming to be shepherds. But the sheep have not listened to them. And then he went on, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. And the thief only comes to steal and kill and destroy I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. A very familiar verse there. So the sheepfold, uh, just in those times, there were kind of two types of sheepfold. There was the kind of one that was a communal one in the village where, where different people would bring their sheep in and there would be a gatekeeper that would look after them at night. And then when they were up in the, in the particularly in the warm season, the grass was hard to find and so you would wander for miles and so it wouldn't be worthwhile coming back in the evening. So there were these sheepfolds, if you see the picture in the bottom there, a kind of space that was enclosed by a wall for protection and um, there was no door of any kind. There was just this opening wherein the, the sheep could go. And the shepherds lay over the opening. If you like, they became the door so that when the sheep were in, then they were protected. Nothing else could get in while the shepherd was over the door and they didn't get out while the shepherd was on the door. But he could let them out. And this is the, the sort of picture that Jesus had, this shepherd covering this doorway of the sheep pen. And this uh, is, is what Jesus appears to be referring to here. Those who had betrayed their calling to be spiritual leaders, they were the ones who were the thieves that were killing and destroying the sheep. And Jesus says, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate, the shepherd who lays over the door to let the sheep in. So what did he mean? Well, a few things, I think. First of all, and very clearly, the first one he said is this. 
whoever enters through me will be saved. The door or gate is an access point. It's the way in which you get into the fold. I mentioned this to you, I'm sure, a couple of times before, but I like to tell it because I, I really do feel privileged about this credit card that I have that on the back of it's got this little, little stamp that allows me access to the, to the lounge uh, in, in, in airports, something that I haven't had access to recently, so I need to just talk about it. It just helps. Uh, and I mentioned last time about the privilege that offers me of, of, of the world of food and, and service and newspapers I'm making it sound good, aren't I? But, but, but you get into this. Two years ago was the last time I was traveling through an airport and, and Ellen was with me. And it struck me, there's something else about this. She was able to get access to the lounge. Why? Because she was with me. Now, she could have gone up and said, I don't agree with your rules. I think you're very exclusive in your rules. And they would have said, well, you're entitled to your opinion, but it's our gate and you're not getting in. She didn't because she didn't have to because she was with me and she came with me. And because I was there, they said, hello, Mr. Brian, nice to see you. And then who is this you've got with you? And Ellen was welcomed in in the same way that I was welcomed in. With me and only with me, she had access. And that's the picture of what Jesus is talking about, that he as the door provides access, access to the kingdom of God. And to the blind man who'd just been excommunicated from this fold of religion, Jesus was saying, you're welcome in my fold. But this message has a sting in it as well. Because there's only one entrance, Jesus is saying. I am the door, not a door. I am the door by which sheep can enter. And to the Jewish authorities and everybody else who was listening, he was saying, I'm it. I am the door. Through me alone is the way to God and his kingdom. There's no other way. And this was offensive to them. And it is an offensive message to our culture today. It comes across, doesn't it, as narrow-minded, as being intolerant, as being exclusive in a world where inclusivity is a value. And we live in such a world where there are many truths and it's okay for me to say, here's my truth, but it's offensive to say, I have got the truth. And a message that says Jesus is a door is acceptable, but to say Jesus is the door, well, that's a very different thing. And I believe that's the reason why many of us are hesitant sometimes to share our faith because we don't want to offend but Jesus says this, for the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life and there are few that find it. It is a difficult message. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. Verse nine. We must never cheapen the message of grace by sanitizing it, by sanitizing the exclusive message of the gospel. The method wherein we come is exclusive, but the offer is to all. Peter, before the religious authority, said this, there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. And Romans 5 says this, God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, while we were, all of us, not just some, but all of us still sinners, Christ died for us. 
so that we could have entry to the fold of the kingdom of God. That confessing Jesus as Lord, we're told in the Bible, and believing in our heart that Jesus rose from the dead, that is our means of access, and it's open to all, but it's it. Jesus is it. There is only one door, and that is Jesus. And so the man that the Pharisees put out of the fold was welcomed into the fold of the kingdom of God by none other than the door himself, Jesus. And so he meant something about access when he was talking about that. The door provides access. But secondly, the door provides security. Jesus goes on to say in verse 9, they will come in and go out and find pasture. And as I was looking through this and preparing for this, uh, this is a very common Hebrew phrase, going in and coming out, having freedom, uh, freedom from, from, from the danger of attack. That it's, it's a sign of life that is secure. It's an expression which means uh, that, that, that you have safety. It's a picture of protection. In Deuteronomy, uh, and I can quote you loads of different verses, but here's one. You'll be blessed when you come in and blessed when you go out. That is the instruction to those who are obedient. And then in Psalm 121, the Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. When our life is in God's hands, Jesus is the door, and that door provides security. But what does that mean? Think about that for a second. That's a great thing to say. But what does that mean to the person who's just lost their job? Security. What does that mean to the person whose relationship has just broken up? What does that mean to the person who's been diagnosed with terminal cancer? Security. Or what does that mean to the person who's being persecuted for their faith? What does it mean that I will go in and go out and find pasture in the context of the storm that I find myself in. If Jesus is the door, and that means that in him I am secure, why am I facing this storm? Why am I facing this suffering? Have I done something wrong? And the answer is absolutely not. I believe the key is understanding where the security lies. When Jesus, you see, was comforting his disciples, looking forward to what was happening, the crucifixion and all of the suffering that they would face, he said this to them. I have told you these things, John chapter 16, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. You may be able to go in and out and find pasture. You may have security. But then he goes on to say, in this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. You'll have peace, but you'll have trouble. We were looking at this in, in our home group, in our Soul Survivors group on Tuesday night. What does that mean? In this world, you will have trouble, but I have come to give you peace. On one hand, he's promising one thing, but on the other hand, he's saying that there's going to be trouble. There's going to be storms. Well, this peace, I think, it, it's key to understanding this meaning of peace. And peace is this word, shalom. It won't be a new word to many. Peace, shalom, never means the absence of trouble. It never means the absence of trouble. It doesn't mean that we're going to have health and wealth and ease and comfort. It means that we will be made whole. 
to become the person God made us to be. Jesus also said, peace I leave with you to his disciples. My peace I give you, I don't give as the world gives. You see, he was referring to the peace out there, which is a peace which is absence of trouble, escape from trouble, covering our heads from trouble and hoping it goes away when it doesn't, burying the head in the sand where the problem remains. That's the sort of peace that we can be promised with therapy, perhaps, and that's the sort of peace we can, we can, we can, we can, we can work on and, and try, to, try to avoid thinking about. But the shalom that comes from God is support in the middle of the storm. It's this balancing force in the storm that restores this kind of equilibrium. One uh, commentator said it this way, sorrow is blended with an inward rapture which transforms into, it into peace. I'm going to read that again. I think it's lovely. Sorrow is blended with an inward rapture which transforms it into peace. That in the storm, when I invite Jesus into the boat, there is this promise of shalom. You see, Jesus left his father's throne with all its security so that you and I can have the ultimate security of knowing that we are adopted into his family and loved by him and that is secure so that we will be able to live life to the full. That life promised in verse 10 of this passage. In Jesus, you see, he's saying you'll find wholeness. If Jesus is our shepherd, and as such is the door of the pen. We have sought shalom in him. Our eternal home is secure. Nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord, Romans 8 says. We can graze wherever we like. We can come and go and find pasture. And in the middle of the storm, he'll be with us. And somehow in him, when our security is in him, he will promise us peace in the storm. In him we'll find true shalom, true peace, fullness. I remember uh, when my, my dad died about five years ago. Um, yeah, I think coming up six years actually. Um, my mom was for the first time in her life facing the, 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 the prospect of living in the house with nobody else on her own. And that was really quite, and it was quite a, a remote part of the world where she was living. And so what we did was, in order to give her peace of mind, we, we secured the premises. We put in an awful lot more security than there was before. We put locks on the windows, and we got, we got a professional in to do lots of things. And one of the things they did was they put an alarm system in where when you set the alarm, when it goes off, it, it contacts whoever you want. So it would contact her, which is not much use because she knows it's going off anyway. Um, <laughs> Well, thank you. Um, number two, it would contact me and it would contact my brother, who was more local. So read into that, my brother. Um, and every now and again, at about midnight, um, I would get this deet, 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 coming up, security breached. And uh, then I would phone mum. I'm, Ali, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I forgot. I went up to go to the toilet. Too much information. And, uh, and set the alarm off because she had it all set up where... Uh, if she moved within the hallway even, and she forgot to reset the alarm. I kept phoning her every time, knowing, letting her know that she was secure, letting her know that we still got that message. But honestly, I wasn't worried. Um, 
but I didn't tell her that. Well, I did tell her that. Anyway, whatever happened. I always picked the phone up and phoned her, and Roger would do the same. And it was quite funny. Very often, one of us would ring, and then the phone would be engaged, and she would get the two phone calls. Now, here's the thing. Mom got to feeling secure. She did. She totally got it. And she did, remarkably, for a number of years, feel very secure in her home. But whether she felt secure or not didn't change anything in the sense of whether she was security or not, whether it was security or not. We were still there. The security was still in place. But the difference was her peace of mind. Living in the knowledge of the security, which is what she learned to do, changed her life from being living in fear. And it's possible that you and I, as children of God, with the security afforded, being able to go in and out and find pasture, we can have that security, but we don't live with the knowledge of it. And Jesus is our door. He wants you to know that in the middle of the storm, he is saying, it is I. Get into the boat and you live shalom. I am going to see my, my, my dear friend Farouz soon. And he is a guy that lives with so much pain and suffering with, with his wife in, in, in a lot of pain all the time. There's so much suffering. And when you talk to him and sit with him, and then you turn the conversation over to Jesus, his face lights up. And he just, it just, he comes alive. That is shalom. That is peace in the storm. Security in the right place. Nothing can touch us. Jesus is that door of security for us. So he provides access, he provides security. But thirdly, to coin the architect phrase, it's where two worlds connect. The door is the interface. When Jesus came to earth, he connected heaven to earth. And we sang about it earlier. We said heaven reaches down to us or something. Wasn't that what it was? This connection of heaven to earth, that when Jesus is the door, he is in some way an interface. John 1, at the end of John 1, there's a very interesting story where Nathaniel, not often talked about the, the, one of the 12 disciples, when he first came across Jesus, you can pick it up at the end of the chapter, he's amazed at what Jesus knew of him. And, and so he worshiped him because of that. And then Jesus said something very interesting to him in verse 50. He said, you will see greater things than that than what I was able to tell you about yourself before I even saw you. He said, you will see greater things than that. And he added, very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. You see, wherever Jesus went, the stuff of heaven happened. Blind received sight. Lame people walked. Imprisoned people in all sorts of mental, physical imprisonment they were set free colossians says that god was pleased to have all his fullness dwell on him in jesus as the door he is the interface to the kingdom of heaven it's not through any ability of yours or mine that things happen that god moves it's when we draw on the power of jesus when we draw close to him that the power of Jesus is manifest. Transformation happens. Transformation of lives happen 
because of the power of Jesus, because of the interface to heaven. And as children of God, we have access to that interface. Isn't that exciting? And when we're thinking about the stuff of Christmas, when you think to yourself, I could never go around the doors, I could never do that. You know what he says? Draw close to me. And the interface with heaven and the kingdom of heaven will be manifest in your, in your sight. Lives will be transformed. So Jesus as the door then. Jesus said, I am the door. I am the gate. It means a number of things, of course. It means access. It means peace. And somebody needs to hear that this morning. It is I, Jesus says to you. Don't be afraid. But I also know that because Jesus is the door, I can have the confidence wherever I go that I can draw close to him. And when I draw close to him and I bring him with me, the things of heaven happen. Do you believe that? That's exciting. Let's pray. Father, thank you that in your word there is so much truth. Thank you that it's living and active. Father, I pray this morning that the storm that I am faced with, I'll be able to see you saying it as I. Don't be afraid. And Father, right now, I pray that as that person here in the middle of the storm says to you, come into the boat, they will know shalom. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that whenever we draw close to you, we do so in the confidence that kingdom things happen. And I pray that through everyone here that knows you, you'll be involved in transforming lives. And so, Father, thank you that even though that sounds an exclusive message because the method is narrow, thank you that it is open to all who believe in you. And I pray that through us and through your message and through your word, that hearts will be softened and that lives will be restored. And thank you that your plan for each of us is shalom, wholeness, and peace with God. Give us the strength and the faith to believe that in our every day. In Jesus' name, amen. That's, that's it for today, guys. Um, is it raining? It's not raining. Um, so uh, please feel free to hang about outside and, uh, and uh, catch up with people. Uh, and don't forget to please do check your emails this week. Keep, keep looking through. Um, but, but when we say go and go with God, let, let's go with the confidence and assurance that as we draw close to him, wow, the kingdom of heaven draws near. Amen.